Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. All right, so continuing our couple of week series on monsters, leaning into the fall vibes. <laughs> We are talking this week about vampires and werewolves. So (laughs) these are fun stories, I feel like. They can be light, they can be creepy, they can span. There's a lot of variety when you consider vampire and werewolf stories. I I think I see a lot of these two together, though, lately. And so that's kind of some of why we're talking about them together. Um, Particularly in modern books, we see a lot of vampire books also have werewolves and, you know, Twilight, Crave, like, all of that kind of thing. But we'll also talk a little bit today about individual werewolf stories and vampire stories. Well, and I like, so under paranormal romance, it, it does have definite antecedents from Gothic romance. Um, yes. There's lots of kind of connection between that, which I think mm-hmm. is just fun, especially after the conversation we just you know had last week about um, the Gothic kind of settings. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's actually been a lot of ones that I've recently watched that kind of call in some of the even hearkening back to some of the Jane Eyre, like there was a vampire movie called The Invitation that literally had one of Rochester's like sets of words brought in, (laughs) like the dialogue word for word. And I think recognizing that paranormal romance, I mean, it's a really popular genre it's something that's getting read and written a lot and it really does have that foundation in that gothic dangerous mysterious secretive world that someone usually is coming into for the first time stumbles into unaware yeah yeah, I mean maybe not but often it seems to be that it's a kind of enter entering into this unknown, entering into this world that you didn't realize existed. Mm-hmm. It also plays with lots of sensualness, yes. like sensualness, pleasure, mystery. Mm-hmm. And often the werewolf side. You get that animalistic cross- stuff yeah, on the werewolf side and then you get the like sensual. Um... Wild, fierce, <laughs> on the primal. Yeah. And, and even with the kind of tropes of like alpha omega and Mm -hmm. beta like those times tend to kind of connect there too but there's a lot of feeling with it like a lot of very gut instinctual feeling and I think that's one of the reasons why we gravitate towards it yeah even in thinking about twilight in preparation for this and kind of going back through how I felt reading it the first time yeah it was like in some ways, like it, it set my like my hair on fire type of feeling that it just was so different. Yes. And I think even thinking about it from that, it almost kind of ushered in, yeah, there were other paranormal books, but it it ushered in the possibility of more and more of these books since it sold so well yeah. as kind of that precursor to, you know the the newer ones that are coming out like like Craven the beautiful and the 
I think recognizing like what were those feelings and what are those those reasons why we connect so strongly with them because I do think that they often yes. in engender a very visceral reaction potent feeling yes <laughs> yes and they're often like kind of page turners right like I could not yes. put Twilight down <laughs> and some of that I think I mean really like after college and stuff and for a while before I read Twilight I was reading mostly nonfiction. Like I had kind of yeah. moved away from reading fiction or the fiction that I read was mostly like classics or things like that, that I had, um, like I had picked up a classic habit, I think in college, <laughs> which there's nothing yeah. out of that. It was great. But I, that meant that I didn't read very much. Like I just wasn't yeah. pulled in in the way that like when I picked up Twilight, it was like, oh, this is so different from anything I've read in a yeah. really long time. And it just pulled me in. I couldn't put it down. I read the whole thing in like three days or the whole series, you know, like, um because I, I was a little late to the game but yeah. um I was too I devoured it and I, I just kept going back to like I I bought the one yeah. and then I bought all like the rest because breaking down had already yeah out, my sister let me all three and I was we had just traveled back to Prague and I was jet lagged and I remember like sitting in the hall with the light on in the hall because I didn't want to wake up Brian because I like read at like 3 a.m trying to finish it um, but they are those kinds of stories that you just like, there is often this creepy feeling. There is often this mystery or this kind of like something we don't know yet. And that just pulls you in. Like it pulls you, you want to know what's going to happen. You want to know what yes. is this character going to be okay or not? What are they going to discover? And as they discover it, are they like, I think that these stories, um, I mean, like in paranormal romance, you definitely get like, romance stuff and you know the character's gonna be okay but these stories span a lot broader than that you get got yes. dracula you've got um werewolf in paris you've got like uh, uh the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires which is definitely not a paranormal romance but creepy as hell um but you got these other stories that kind of you don't really don't know and they could go yes. either way like and people do die and and get hurt and like um yes in some of these stories and so you, you really are pulled in like the the stakes feel high often and it's often life or death stakes sometimes even beyond that like the state of all your friends and family or the world yeah. um yeah well, and i think that's great to talk about that there's a play with vampires there's a play with werewolves and because there is the horror aspect and then the kind of potential for a romance aspect you yes. go yeah. kind of along that range which is weird that like yeah. but it does they do these stories do mirror yeah. like marry both of those two things in a way that it seems surprising but works <laughs> absolutely and it's kind of where they choose to be on that range because yeah. it can it can go into the really dark and I think that's the one thing that's really great about books is you can play with that yeah. of what it is you're wanting to do you, you can signal the the movie I saw the invitation the the difficulty was for movies you have to let your audience know what type of book yes. or yeah what story they're they're in for so and that's true of books too like yeah you absolutely yeah. have to set up what you want to tell and so the reader knows and isn't you know you want to surprise yeah. your reader but you don't want to yes. make them think they're in a different type of story than they are that's exactly so we do that but we don't have to give the end. Like there yeah. can be a twist, but if you're selling it as a romance, it yeah. really should be a romance. There yes. should be a romance. Even if you like 
even if it's a twist that it's someone else who is actually, which you probably should be signaling throughout. The difficulty with this movie is because it had a twist and it was a twist that changed it from one type of film to another. They had to signal it in the trailer and they gave away their twist, like the ultimate twist, basically the trailer. In the trailer? The entire, yeah, because huh. if it goes from a romance to a horror movie, yeah. all the people who go to see like Twilight 2.0 are going to be disappointed yeah, um, or the opposite. And it was one of those fascinating things that I'm like, I almost... I think it would have made a better book because they could have laid breadcrumbs without actually giving away yeah. a specific reveal. Unfortunately, the trailer gave away pretty much the entire movie. It's a good movie. Glad <laughs> I went to see it. Okay, I mean, it had something of merit, but <laughs> but it was one of those that you're like, oh, like you felt bad for the writer because you're like, oh, they... yeah. But I think recognizing that, I mean, Twilight does kind of air on the yes there's a very dangerous side of it yeah. at the beginning they kind of signal who is the killer here like who is coming towards her but mm. you kind of get things throughout that suggest it's not Edward even though like you have that grain of sand in your head you kind of get feelings that it's not him by yeah. the end and so they don't trick you they don't like, get you looking the other way and all of a sudden oh he's gonna attack her and kill her like <laughs> I think recognizing that you can play on that range without even fully giving your hand away your signals should suggest what type of film or yeah. you know what type of book this is what type yeah. of ending you're gonna have is everyone gonna be dead and she's like stabbing them all <laughs> you know um I think getting that feeling yes it's interesting it makes me think a little bit too like just kind of talking about how these stories can kind of go different ways and they sometimes include both a very real element of danger and also romance or other things it makes me think of we've been we've talked before about how fear and excitement feel the same in the body yes and I feel like these books play with that like yeah you get this adrenaline spike both from the fear and from the like sexual tension and other right. things. And, and they just like build on each other to give you like this even higher adrenaline effect. Um, and to play with those physical visceral sensations that you get with both fear and with um, excitement. Absolutely. And that again, kind of plays into the Byronic heroes. Like a lot of these, we do get to see mysterious, yeah. secretive characters who could rudy men yeah and there's something very i think interesting about it because i think we do kind of draw towards that type of character they don't have to be toxic like there yeah. there's definitely you see that too in this genre but yes yeah. they don't have to be yeah there definitely could be characters that are toxic they don't have to be and again that's a range that you yes. you decide your own comfort <laughs> Um, but your Edward Collins and and even Kylo Ren as well, which mm -hmm. it, they do have that Byronic kind of connection of that being the moody, the being kind of even just not as socially conventional. Like yeah. there's something that's different about them and that uh, is out of step from the common way that I think is fascinating too, mm -hmm. that they're not like everyone else that this person knows yeah and in some ways they also aren't 
kind of stifled, they can say what they need to say and they can be forthright and they can also often see something in the character that she doesn't see in herself yeah that's or in the world too like I mean especially with vampire stories you get these people who have lived a very long time and that is an interesting idea to play with like sometimes that makes like sometimes authors play with how that could make a character really detached and selfish and unconnected and other times they play with how that could make a character rise and that makes seem like a lot of the world and a lot of human nature and and being able to speak into that in a way that that has given them you know that they've gained through experience yes well and I think it's also it makes the conversations that happen between those two characters interesting because they speak in a often very less filtered way they're freed from social conventions a lot of times like these are not um characters that stick to the norms and the expected behavior they're characters that break out of that and there's something really appealing about that attractive about that absolutely and throwing off convention throwing off um kind of our hindrance on ourselves on our tongue on the things that we instinctively are drawn towards Mm -hmm. there there is a really fascinating kind of almost fantasy dark fantasy dark kind of fairy tale-ness to that of being able to just be and being able to like get to ignore society and all of those rules that have been thrust on us for years and years and years and being able to kind of recognize something different and I think soulmate things often do this too again that kind of harkens back into Kylo Ren as well like the Kylo Ren and Rey dynamic which has that almost paranormal and gothic kind of foundation is that in a normal society in a normal like structure these two people would not meet they would not have any type of connection one person comes from nothing and the other one is basically a prince and there's something really fascinating about like being able to throw off all of those things being able to say have a character that says the world says this but I don't like I think recognizing that even in the Edward and Bella there's something very she feels like she's just ordinary and yet he sees something in her that is extraordinary that he has seen and walked for years and years and years on this world you know um, and he sees something in her that draws him in and that is really um it has a gravitas, like it has this gravity to it that is such a strong pull, this connection, um, this tie between them that has this, you know, yes, it kind of has that sensualness, but it's also foundational. It's also Mm -hmm. kind of built on something stronger than just that attraction. It's kind of that connection soul to soul. Yeah, which I think is appealing, right? It's like almost yes. wish moment. <laughs> like we That's want someone to know us that well. To we want to be connected with someone. I, I think even like I don't really ascribe to soulmates in real life, but yeah. it's something. It's a trope I love. Like it's yeah. so appealing. Like I, you want to feel like you're meant for someone, maybe, or meant for that a connection that's that deep and lasting and all of that. Um, and these stories play with that. They really lean into that a lot. 
I think it's interesting though, like the repression and, and social norms stuff. Like I hadn't really thought about that a lot until you mentioned it, but I think that you're right that it's very prevalent in these stories. And I also feel like these stories tend to come in waves. Like we see, I mean, and this is true in any genre, right? Like mm-hmm. um, you get a lot of stories that are kind of like that and then it kind of dies off and then you get a lot like that again. And it would be interesting to me to look at like um, when those surges of like vampire and werewolf yeah. stories are and what was happening socially as far as repression and things like that. Like even Dracula, which, you know, I wouldn't call a paranormal romance, but it has these kind of pushing out of social norms and this yeah. like I wouldn't say that it's actually looked on very fondly in Dracula like it's kind of maybe um more of a story like a, the moral of the story might be more like the, that's a dangerous yeah path. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting too right like and it's also interesting to think of with Dracula like who wrote it and when yes. were they writing it yes. and written by a man <laughs> if a woman wrote it it would be very different and the women in it I think yes I, even even though I do think that there was some care, like yes. there's still there, there is at least one female character that I feel like is handled really well, and I yeah. can't remember her name. She's the I one that's married Mina? to the what? Mina Harker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the first character, I think it's Lucy. Poor yes. Lucy. She gets oh, yeah. like the really crappy end of the stick, and. <laughs> That feels almost like a morality tale rather yes. than like a, the leaning in, like, don't leave your window open, ladies. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do wonder, I, it would be wonderful to be able to kind of get the mindset of your like Charlotte, Charlotte Bronte's and your Emily Bronte's as they're yes. writing their stuff. Yes. Like, what were they reacting to? Because it was definitely yes. a reaction. Um, yes. And I think looking at, these characters and what is the relationship with the sensuality and what is the relationship with those instinctual gut guttural feelings and what was society saying yes it is a lens and a context to which look to look at these different books and really be able to kind of hone in on them I I know for Twilight like it felt like I'd never read anything like it before it felt Mm -hmm. like it was kind of a revelation in some ways of what what even work could be. We kind of take that for granted mm-hmm. now since, a, you know, there's a lot of different ones we can read, but it, it didn't feel so at the time or I yeah. did not have access to them and I was not aware of them, what, yeah, whatever I was that either. was. And I, I tended to think of Twilight as like this, yeah, like the start to this, thing but I read recently um The Silver Kiss um and the whole time I was reading it I was like oh gosh this is so much like Twilight so much like Twilight and then I I looked at the publishing date it was published in 1990 and it was fascinating to me to be like and and the author in the back like talked about why she wrote it a little bit and about how she had found all these old books from like the 1970s I think it was about about vampires and it was just fascinating to me to see that wave like just see like yes oh interesting and it was kind of interesting to me that like she talked about finding a bunch of books when she was a kid that were old like that were from like the late 60s early 70s again you have this like break against um convention and then like her writing this you know end of the 80s like being published in 1990 like again you have a this little break against convention and like um, the convention of the time, at least. 
and that was just fascinating to me. It kind of like yes. opened up my eyes to be like, oh, Twilight is actually part of a long history of these right. types of stories. And although it brought it to a whole new generation and to yes. and and to a level that was much more um, commercial, and commercial. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, than some of these other books have been. They they were a lot more niche. I mean, yes. And even like, you know, Anne, Anne Rice, an interview yes. with a vampire and like, is it like, where does that end <laughs> up on this range of, because it is in this squishy place. And I think what I love about that is nothing is created in a vacuum. Yeah. Everything has that through line of inspiration and of where we get our stories from and has kind of that connection to what do we all of a sudden like from a zeitgeist like type of, what do we yeah. connect to and come close to? Not that we have to read what everyone else is reading, but often like as a society, we kind of hearken around something yeah. um, and it kind of could potentially blow up. But there are, there are things throughout that are definitely there to find. Yeah. And going back in and reading what's, already there what's already out can be really eye-opening can show you different aspects of the story that maybe aren't getting covered as much or maybe you've never read um which can kind of yeah open new horizons I think as a writer too it's really encouraging because I think Mm -hmm. we tend to think like I I need to be unique I need to write this thing that's totally different I gotta stand out and and the truth is that you don't like you you there are so many ways in which we, t- yes. we retell the same stories. Like yes. we do, we all retell the same stories, but you put your own unique spin on it and yes. you, the silver kiss like ended in a very different way than the twilight series did. And there was definitely things about the writing style and other things and the conventions that were used that were very much of the time, like very 1990s. And so like, it doesn't matter if you're telling the same story, <laughs> like you're going to put your own, spin to it you're going to make it unique yes. in your own way just because of who you are and because of how you grew up and the society that you're in and the culture you're in and all of that and I find that encouraging I do too I think recognizing within that that you know someone was saying I was reading something about how we create um it's a really great book about how our minds work and they were talking about Picasso and you can go back and see who Picasso's influences are. Mm. Picasso wasn't just creating amazing stuff mm. that had no connection to what had come before. Like yeah. you can go in and actually see his inspirations. And I think recognizing that it is that we have our own viewpoint, we have our own story kernel that can come out of those inspirations that that's literally how everything that's been created and that ever will be created works so we shouldn't like feel weird or bad about that or like I'm not you know oh I'm not creative enough oh I'm not inventive enough literally every single person that you're like wow this person was truly creative and a genius no they all have inspiration (laughs) they pull on other things and just remix it differently yeah yeah well, and do you mind if we come back around to um, the twi- the Twilight, you know, vampire and werewolf stories? What I love about stories that combine the two characters mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. is that you can get so many interesting dynamics. You can yes. make it into 
like Underworld does vampires and werewolves, uh, the movie, and it's a Romeo and Juliet story. Like the daughter of the vampire and the son of the werewolf fall in love. And literally all of this war that happens afterwards is through that catalyst. And I love the being able to look at it and play with what can you do with those characters that again those as mythos they are dialed up to 11 and 12 just on who they are and how can you kind of play with the dynamics in that way like how can you use them in unique and interesting ways and I've enjoyed watching different stories that have different takes on those kind of combinations well and we talk in writing about contrast and how important it is to play with contrast and i think that's maybe some of why we see both vampires and werewolves show up together in stories is because they are such contrasting archetypes like you have vampires who are often very um it's like power under control often yeah Um, yeah. and there's like this element of almost stoicness sometimes to vampires or kind of this closed offness, um, a danger that's bridled, um, or that's hidden. Um, and you have some of that in werewolves too, but you also have a lot more like animalistic, uncontrolled urges, um, this like wildness maybe. So like pitting this wildness against this often vampires also have this kind of cultured control and cultures yes. <laughs> kind of things you think of sometimes with vampires whereas with werewolves you think wild and untamed and kind of yes. this like can't control themselves <laughs> like that kind of thing and pitting these against each other I think is, is often really interesting well and even as they become who they become often your werewolf stories can be these a situation happens where someone is bitten and is completely outside of their control and with vampires it feels like it might be sometimes, not always, but a sure. little bit more. Like there's, there's. You a, see people asking yeah. to become like vampires. There's in, a choice. Yeah. In story tropes, much more often than in vampire and werewolf stories. Werewolf. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes that then the werewolf side can kind of explore that when something is thrust upon us. Yes. How we react. Yes. What choices we make under those unique circumstances can be fascinating and interesting I I was thinking (laughs) two characters came into mind and they're definitely not paranormal okay Oz from Buffy came into my head because I I loved his character in in that series and well everything about Buffy is just just so much there's a lot of good things they also play well with the like vampires who are horror and vampires who are love interests really well (laughs) Yes, David Boreanaz, we we approve of that. Um, And Oz, his cousin, like, bites him. And it has this impact on his character that has really a far-reaching ripple of his entire life has now become dominated by this thing that happened to him and who he is now. Mm -hmm. And even though... Seth Green isn't on the show for many, many seasons. I think they did a great job of kind of exploring some of that, of what that looks like to realize this thing about yourself and to kind of have to figure out how to keep the people you care about safe. 
and how yeah. to live with with the consequences of that and the other one is Lupin um from Harry Potter and I yeah. think they do a great job of showing like the otherness that he experiences from this happening and even how other people treat him because of it yes. um it allows to kind of explore a lot of interesting things of character as a person and what choices you're going to make how again like how to keep others safe from mm -hmm. from even yourself yeah um i i think i think looking at it from the how does even those differences between the characters how can you play with that and how that yeah. shows who the people are yeah i think both werewolf and vampire stories play a lot with that like um how to keep people safe from yourself and this idea that we all have kind of a dark side in us yes. um and and also the idea of finding someone who will love you love you in your dark side that's a yes. common trope you see in these a lot too um which i think is interesting absolutely when i think of that trope in particular like this idea of viewing yourself as a monster and mm -hmm. and or loving a monster i think of coldest girl in cold, cold town holly black have you read that one I haven't, but I, I, I think it's to. my favorite of hers. Yeah. It's really good. Um, it's very like, it's intense, but <laughs> it pulled me in. <laughs> um, and it definitely plays with that idea of like loving the monster in someone. Well, and I think that also kind of links us into Beauty and the Beast as yes. a just that story that keeps getting told and retold and yeah. told it in different and unique ways. It reminded me of Cruel Beauty as we were kind of talking about yes. this and I there is something there that it is not Stockholm syndrome in my opinion it is yeah. someone who comes to this situation sees someone who yes it's, has a lot of baggage and a lot yeah. of stuff but recognizing themselves in them and actually yeah. not recognizing themselves in the situation or the place that they come from like yes. from the village perspective finding kind of that sense of connection and that sense of ability to you accept me and I accept you yes. even with all those dark baggage things even though people may see us one way but that is not exactly who I am I am all these things underneath yeah. and being accepted for that yeah well I mean, we all want to be loved unconditionally and and you're yeah. right that you see that really common in these in these stories to that idea of someone not fitting in um maybe who they, the community they're born into or who yes. they think they should. I mean, you see it in Twilight too, like yeah. her not fitting in with her family or in with the normal kids in the high school, um, but fitting in and feeling accepted with this other person or with this monster. Um, yeah. And Beauty uh, and the Beast, I hadn't really thought of that in this grouping or like to group yeah. that with this, but you're right. It is, they're all just variations kind of on Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just different sorts of beasts. <laughs> that's exactly some of them quite literally kind of yeah. play with that of the yeah. you know what is beast like yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's I I don't think it's necessarily a direct correlation sure. always I think I think it does have kind of those connected ties and even some of what we've been talking about even of this contrast of this mm -hmm. kind of two different things they even go back to like Hades and Persephone the uh -huh. myth mythology yeah. of going into the underworld and the the going out of the light and into the dark a lot of them can you know these stories yeah. can often use that those kind of heavy 
contrasting imageries to kind of also kind of sell what this story is about and and I do find it fascinating like as we look at I know I've mentioned Kylo Ren and Ray once but I really wanted to get this point across that it's funny that when you look at things like Hades and Persephone it's actually almost visually very similar to how Kylo Ren and Ray are in their costumes Mm. and in The Last Jedi and it's funny that also the love hypothesis is basically a Raylo retelling and it's so huge right now with those characters of the sunshine and the grump and I just think there's something when we can trace it back to kind of that lineage of (laughs) Greek mythology and that that myth is still around today like Hades town is huge on Broadway right now I think recognizing that some of these stories when they have those very contrasting unique dynamics can be really engrossing um you know who who can tell exactly why we we lean into them but I think it's just interesting to see that lineage and to really be able to say hey those are still selling like the stories (laughs) are still with us (laughs) they're still being things that we want to consume and And there is something magnetic about those differences, just being barriers, not being insurmountable um, to when two characters have a connection. Yeah. Well, friends, we hope that you remember as you write that we all come from a lineage and we all have influences and to to not be afraid to lean into that um, and to keep writing anyway (laughs) Um, and to pull from all of that. And we hope you do play with vampires and werewolves and, and see what they might do for you or, or at least play with some contrast and see what that does for your story. Um, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this, we hope you'll leave a review so other people can find us. And we hope you'll come find us on Instagram too. That's where we hang out and we would love to connect with you there. We hope you keep reading and keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world. Mm-hmm.